the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, alongside Aubrey Sampson. My name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us on this Tuesday afternoon. We're going to talk throughout the show about what's going on in the Ukraine Mm -hmm. and uh, the invasion by Russia. Uh, Dr. Jim Dennison, one of our favorite guests, is going to join us in a little bit. Uh, He has so much knowledge. He's written so much already about what's going on. So we're excited to talk to him about, you know, what what should we know? What what should we understand that's going on? And then how do we process what's going on? He's going to be wonderful. But as you continue to watch the news, Aubrey, right, like it's still – there, there's inspiration in what's going on, but then there's also everybody I listen to is like, it's going to get worse. Like it's about yeah. to get worse. And that, that really, this, the, the, the sense of impending doom and evil of it all is really just, um, overwhelming, really, when you watch the news. Yeah, it, it's like you're you're seeing Ukraine be stronger than I think anyone expected. And mm-hmm. for, for Putin to have, uh, perhaps more pushback than he was prepared for, you know, and I think that's the positive thing. But I agree. Everything you're hearing is just like, look, this thing is not over till it's over. And it's going to end up with a lot of casualties and a lot of heartache and a lot of destruction. And yeah. so we are continuing to pray and cheer Ukraine on. And of course, pray that God would change the, the mind and the soul and the heart of Biden or Biden. Putin, pardon, yes. pardon me, Putin. <laughs> Um, because it's just, yeah, it just seems like he's bent on, on, he's bent on control, right? right? right. And it's hard to, it's hard to move a leader when they're bent on control. And, and there's so much of it that's scary, but when you, when you read or listen, I saw a news report about some intelligence briefings that went on and there, there's real concern about his mental stability at the moment. I believe that. Yeah. When you think of somebody who they're saying is not just necessarily bent on power, but is also also increasingly mentally unstable, it Mm -hmm. feels like with the amount of power and 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 ability of destruction he has behind him, that's a real scary scene. And so we need to be continuing to pray. Uh, like you, uh, you know, President Biden's given the State of the Union address tonight. I'm sure we'll talk about that tomorrow, but I'm sure what's going on in the Ukraine will be a big part of that uh, as well. So a lot going on in the world. But Aubrey, I did want to spend just a little bit of time talking about uh, a really important story out of Christianity Today that came out a couple days ago uh, that continues to add to the picture of what went on at the Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. And again, we always kind of preface this by people, you know, why do you keep talking about this? Like, why? Because we want these huge ministries within evangelicalism to be to be healthy. Yep. We want them to be above board. We want those who have suffered abuse at the powerful to uh, to be heard. And so we think here at the show that it's important to still highlight these stories, even though they are not easy conversations yeah. to have. And with yeah. that in mind, Daniel Silliman wrote over Christianity Today that Ravi Zechariah's Interma- International Ministries 
spent nearly $1 million suing Ravi Zacharias, abuse victim. Hmm. Ministry-funded assessment shows the board didn't ask questions, but came up with creative ways to redirect donor funds. That line right there about sums up everything that's wrong. And, you know, we want to hold on to the fact that they're trying to get it right now. The ministry doesn't really exist anymore, but like, this is what's, this is why all this stuff is coming out because this reckoning, you know, people are trying not to just put it underneath the rug, but the idea, Aubrey, that you had Ravi Zacharias, you had the, you know, he's the figurehead, he's the powerful one. You have these accusations and it says that the board didn't even really ask questions and instead was redirecting donor funds to try to make sure this stuff didn't come out or to silence the victims. Aubrey, I, I don't know how else to say it, except thi- if people wonder what's the problem, this that sentence right there is the problem. I'm just thinking of that passage in scripture that says like the heart is deceitful above all else. Mm. And I feel like that's, that's this right here. Like one, the board um, being so like self-deceived by Ravi himself that they're unwilling to question what's going on. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then the deceit of misusing, or at least I guess, Dis- be lying right about how they're using funds or creatively hiding it whatever language you want to hear all of it just feels like deceit and cover up deceit and cover up deceit and cover up from ravi to mm-hmm. the board you know mm-hmm. all the way across and then i think that you know a, a difficult thing to swallow here is suing the abuse victim right i mean right. let's just be honest at like you know there's victim blaming and then there's just like victim like putting them under your thumb and pushing mm-hmm. down as hard as you can. And you're right, Brian, like this is everything that's wrong, Yeah, y- yep. you know? And, and thankfully, like you said, I, I know they've hired guidepost solutions, which is a consulting firm specializing in reviewing how organizations handle sexual misconduct. Other organizations in Christianity, Christendom that have this kind of story have also hired them. So I know they're trying to reassess their structures and policies, et cetera. But mm-hmm. I, it, it's it's just devastating to hear. Yep. Like yep. Time and time again, it's just devastating to hear. When you and I talk about what is wrong with the celebrity church culture and mm. celebrity culture within evangelicalism, let me read to you a paragraph from the report that I think sums up better than anything we've ever said as to why celebrity culture is so dangerous. It says this, Ravi Zacharias International Ministries heavily and unjustifiably relied on Zacharias's representations, many of which were discernibly dubious. Their veneration bordering on devotion for Zacharias and his family contributed to a culture that discouraged honest and open discussion about Zacharias's conduct and valued loyalty to Zacharias above almost all else. Uh, that sentence right there, Aubrey, that is what we learned in the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill podcast. Yeah. That's what we learned in a lot of the church scandals, like what Willow went through, you know, within the last five or so years. Yeah. Uh, what all of these ministries, we've talked about missionaries with this and at Ravi Zachariah Ministries. When there's somebody who you look at and you venerate, you de- are devoted to and you say, I'm going to believe everything they say. I'm for that person. Yeah. Uh, that opens the door to a lot of bad conduct. And the report goes on to say that they just chose not to ask the questions mm-hmm. uh, and instead just believe him. And Aubrey, we've got to grow as organizations. If you're in an organization right now where the head person can't be questioned, I'd encourage you 
to either call yeah. that into question or yeah. get away from that organization. We must be transparent. Yeah, r- run away as fast as you can from that organization. <laughs> I, I mean, you're right, Brian. And, and and unfortunately, it's like, I don't know what it's going to take for us to finally learn that lesson. But it just seems like again and again, this is the nature of the beast right here. That those, you know, the the Ravi Zacharias of the world, the the Bill Hybels, the uh, James McDonald's, the, all these stories that we've covered, uh, the Carl Lenses, like all these stories that we've covered, it's been that this leader has so much power and so many people loyal to him that they're unwilling to even mm-hmm. ask a question, right? right. I, I think the other thing, and, I, and, and this is the part that I think is probably perhaps the most painful for me, Brian, and I do think the tide is turning here, so I feel grateful for that. I but agree. We... When are we going to believe women? I mean, I think that's part of it, too. The the undervaluing of women's stories, women's narratives, women's voices is part and parcel uh, with what's happened here. And that has to change. too. Yeah. Yeah. And I would just sum it up again by saying, if you don't if you don't believe us when we say celebrity culture is real and problematic within the organizations, just go back and read that article. The years of just turning a blind eye and not asking questions out of the devotion for the celebrity for the figurehead is uh, it has ended up with people being abused and, and this organization not existing anymore. And we see that in churches, we see that all over the place. And so we have to continue. I, I I'm hopeful, like you said, Aubrey, that maybe things are turning, uh, but we shall see. We shall see. Well, coming up next, we're excited to be joined by Dr. Jim Dennison, co-founder of the Dennison forum, and also the author of the book, the coming tsunami. Uh, A lot of great wisdom Jim has written in the last week about what's going on in the Ukraine. And we're going to talk to him about it. We got lots of questions for Jim Dennison next here on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Hey, friends, welcome back to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, alongside Aubrey Sampson. My name is Brian Fromm, and Aubrey and I are thrilled to be joined as we continue to try to process what's going on in the Ukraine. How do we process? How do we know how to think about this, particularly as Christians? Uh, We couldn't have thought of anyone better to bring on than the co-founder and the chief vision officer of the Denison Forum, also the author of the book, The Coming Tsunami. He is Dr. Jim Denison. Jim, how are you doing today, bud? Hey, Brian, I am so glad to be back on with you in Aubrey today. Thanks for the privilege. Yeah, it's absolutely our pleasure. We love having you on. And you've written a lot recently about uh, what's going on in the Ukraine and what how we should be thinking about this. So let me just ask you a very generic question. As American Christians, help us understand not only what is going on, but really kind of what we should be thinking about what's going on in the Ukraine right now. Yeah, you bet. So we're thinking right now in terms of a meta narrative, something George Friedman and others have made uh, very popular. The idea that every country has a north on the compass. It has kind of a cultural DNA. And when you understand that, you can better interpret the past and predict the future. Vladimir Putin's meta narrative is to rebuild Mother Russia. It has been for 20 years. He's made no bones about that. He has said that again and again. He has said the collapse of the USSR in 1991 was the greatest catastrophe of the 20th century. Now, bear in mind, 27 million Russians died in World War II, but still, he says, the collapse of the USSR is the greatest catastrophe of the 20th century. And so now it appears that he is finally taking steps. He's been warning for a long time he was going to take to rebuild the western edge of Russia, to build a buffer against Europe and against the invasions that have happened over the centuries into Russia, to start reclaiming land that used to be part of the USSR, and ultimately to rebuild Mother Russia 
itself. We need to understand that's what he's after here, and he will not be easily deterred. Mm -hmm. So as Christians, we need to be praying specifically for God to turn his heart, praying for God to work in his life. Saul of Tarsus to Paul the Apostle, kind of a miraculous move of God. Need to be praying for the Ukrainians, obviously, for God to protect them and empower them. I'm praying for pastors and Christian leaders in Ukraine to be used by God as catalysts for awakening in the midst of all this. And I'm praying that God will use us to cause Americans Mm -hmm. to put the world on our heart and pray for the world as Jesus is praying for the world right now. And Jim, I I think you bring up a really interesting point. This is something Brian and I have been talking about on the show a lot, that we as Christians need to be actively engaged through what's happening in Ukraine through prayer. And I wonder for our listeners who might just be thinking, why does this matter to me? Like, why should I care about this? I, Mm -hmm. I, I know that seems like an obvious question, but it's really not for everyone. Could you just unpack that? Like, why does this matter for the heart of God? and should matter for the heart of Christians? Yeah, no, that's a great question, Aubrey, and it's an entirely appropriate question. I understand that. Some of us remember Vietnam. Is this going to be another one of those? Are we going to get dragged into a war on the other side of the world? Why does this really matter to us? So there's really two levels, I think, in which we can be thinking, first as Americans and then second as believers. As Americans, we need to understand at the very least this is a new Cold War. From what everybody that I'm reading is saying about this, we can expect cyber attacks. We can expect energy shortages. We can expect stock market disruptions at the very least as the result of this, as an ongoing new reality, it would appear for us in America. It could well be this will move into NATO countries. And now you're talking about a shooting war. Because America and NATO are obligated to defend NATO states like Estonia or Latvia or Lithuania, others that could be invaded by Putin as he moves forward in this. Nuclear capacities are even on the table. Putin put them on the table this past Sunday. I'm not predicting that, of course, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but we need to understand this is an existential threat to us. The world is smaller than it's ever been. We're more liable to cyber attack than ever been as the United States. So as Americans, we need to be aware that this could well affect us even more than it does now. Then as Christians, St. Augustine said, God loves each of us as if there were only one of us. Jesus is right now grieving for what's happening there because his sisters and brothers there are under threat, even as though they were here in the States. There are 35 million Christians in Ukraine. 78% of the adult population in Ukraine are members of the Ukrainian Orthodox Church. Those are our sisters and brothers. We'll spend eternity with them, with our Father in heaven. Mm. If we had literal family in Ukraine, how would we be praying? That's how we should be praying with our spiritual family and all that's happening in these days. Yeah, that's really well put, Jim. And as a lot of us watch this, I, I know the, the commentators kind of say it's going to get worse before it gets better, but it has been really inspiring to see the Ukrainian people rise up. And it's mm-hmm. been led by, you know, their president, President Zelensky. Just what have you seen? Uh, what it has done to you as you've seen these past week, uh, particularly with the Ukrainian president, but also the Ukrainian people just kind of rising up and fighting this battle on their own? It's astounding to see what's happening here. It actually is. You're actually seeing Ukrainians from all over Europe returning back to Ukraine to join the fight. Mm. We're seeing Ukrainians in America trying to get back to join the fight, risking their lives. Many will give their lives for this. A former Ukrainian beauty model and uh, beauty pageant winner has enlisted in the military. Mm. A former gold boxing champion has enlisted back in the military. There was an 80-year-old man who recently tried to enlist so he could defend his grandchildren. You're seeing Ukrainians standing up to Russian tanks 
you're seeing a level of courage and of nobility here that absolutely should be inspiring yeah. the world. It's, it's clearly shocking the Russians. In fact, we're hearing now from Russian soldiers that are back riding back to their family saying, we were told they would welcome us as liberators. We were told they would want us to be here. And now they're dying in front of our tanks. And this is horrific. And so the Russian soldiers are even starting to see this and be moved by the courage of the Ukrainian people. Mm-hmm. Ugh, it, it absolutely it is. Um, it, it is a powerful thing to you know be watching from afar. Certainly, I know um, Jim. Some of the questions that I'm getting asked, you might be too, is really the question of nuclear weapons. And I know people are are obviously very afraid that that Putin may or may not possibly use them. Do you have any thoughts on that? It's on three levels. Yeah, I'm not at all concerned that Putin will launch on the United States because of mutually assured destruction, because of the kind of deterrence capacities we have at that point and the ability absolutely to destroy each other's countries. I don't see a world in which he would intend to do that or would have a geopolitical reason to do that. But you could see limited nuclear kind of uh, weaponry brought to bear in that context, in that regime. We've not seen this done so far in American history or or world history, but you could see that possibility. You could certainly see him using other deterrents like biological weapons and Mm. chemical weapons. That's been warned. In fact, uh, uh, the UK's British uh, foreign secretary has been warning that he will likely do that. He's used nuclear weapons in that sense to poison, nuclear poisoning against dissonance in the past. So we can mm-hmm. certainly see him escalating on that level. But another thing just to be concerned about is as you as you heighten nuclear readiness, as you get into these kinds of shooting wars, accidents happen. Mistakes are made. Mm-hmm. Things get misunderstood. Uh, Russian pilots uh, lose their way and wind up bombing something in NATO. You see things that happen that escalate quickly. And so there can be a fear of unintended consequence, I suppose, in this as well. So I don't see an actual launch on the United States, but certainly the deterrence that he intends to be in place here by threatening this is part of the current equation. Yeah. Yeah. And Jim, this is so helpful. As we kind of start to wrap up here, I guess I'd like to take kind of back out a little bit, people who are listening right now, and all of this just grows in them a lot of fear. Like, I'm just scared and I'm I'm fearful. How do we as Christians, How what's a word that you would share to somebody who just watches the news right now and feels just scared? Understandably so. We all, I think, should on some level feel that because one of the, I believe God redeems all that he allows. One of the ways I think God wants to redeem even what we're describing right now is to pull us out of self-sufficiency. I've often said self-sufficiency is spiritual suicide. I didn't have to read that in a book. I've experienced that personally. (laughs) And we Americans, we have oceans on east and west, forests to the north, deserts to the south. We're not used to being invaded by countries. And so we cannot understand perhaps what's happening here. If God could use this to cause American Christians to call on him on a deeper level of reliance, a deeper level of passion, a deeper level of dependence, then maybe we could be catalysts for the kind of spiritual awakening that we so desperately need in our country, in our culture, and around the world. And God can use this to birth a mighty prayer movement to his glory. That's such a good word. Dr. Jim Dennison is the co-founder of the Dennison Forum, also the author of the book, The Coming Tsunami. You can check out Jim's articles, and he's written many of them about what's going on in the Ukraine and Russia. You can check them out and his podcast at denisonforum.org. And you can also follow him on Twitter, connect with him at Jim Dennison. Jim, we are always grateful to have you on. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Uh, Brian and Aubrey, it's always my privilege. God bless.
Absolutely. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, friends, welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, I am Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us today. If you had asked me a couple years ago when Tim Keller retired from kind of day-to-day pastoral work at Redeemer Fellowship in New York City, if you'd ask me, would Tim Keller become really active on Twitter? I'd be like, no, no. Totally. Right, right, right. But That's it, something you never expect. It is clear that that besides his speaking and his writing and everything, that Tim Keller has decided to kind of wade into the world of Twitter. Yeah. Uh, and he met, he admits often like, hey, I, I understand that the nuance I'm trying to get to, to you through Twitter is, is this isn't the best venue, right? He's, right, right. He has started, let me use one of our favorite words. He has started some kerfuffles on, uh, on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> but man, you and I, uh, we've shared this openly that we are huge fans of Tim Keller and have a lot of respect for him. So with all of that said, I want to read something he wrote on Twitter the other day, okay? This is Tim Keller. He says this, wonder is a sign believer. There should not, or the sign of a believer, I'm guessing Mm. it should say, there should not be the grumpy quote, of course I'm a Christian, why would you ask? There (laughs) should be no of course about it. Rather, you should think, Who would have thought it? Me, a Christian. Incredible, but true. It's a wonder and a miracle. Mm. That is classic Tim Keller right there, Aubrey. I want to hone in on different aspects of this, but the the part I really want to hone in is just that word wonder. Yeah. Yeah. I I love that. I think wonder or in other, I think another word that is very close to wonder is awe. Mm -hmm. I think wonder and awe are necessary components of our faith and are huge indicators when there is not wonder and awe about the gospel, about what God has done in our life, about who Jesus is. When we've lost wonder and awe, that is one of the most enormous red flags that we're in a bad spot in our faith. Uh, so what do you think about Keller's tweet and just the concept of wonder and awe? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think a few things. One, I think Keller's exactly right. Like just the fact that you are a Christian and have been saved should still feel like a miracle and something wonderful. Okay. I would say this at the same time. Um, sometimes we have to go looking for wonder, Ooh, good. right? And we have to be really intentional about, I was reading a, a poet who said we have to be intentional, not exactly like this, but her language was go joy hunting throughout mm. your day. And, and I do think we can easily, especially as, um, we mature in our faith and especially as life gets hard and there are challenges and and God invites us to go to some deeper places that sometimes feel really, really hard and difficult. We have to be really intentional about joy hunting or, mm. you know, delight hunting or wonder hunting, because sometimes we can just miss wonder unless we're very intentional about it. And I do think you just said this, like wonder begets wonder, right? But mm-hmm. we, we have to be intentional about finding those places in the world around us in our daily lives where God is doing wondrous things mm. or or simply God's nature is wondrous. Right. And therefore, we pause to acknowledge that. And sometimes that means putting our phones down. Sometimes that means turning the TV off. Sometimes that means going outside for a walk. Like we have to shake up our 
our daily routines, I think, and the things that are like our bad habits really to form some of these habits of wonder. But I, I don't, you said something, Brian, it's if you've lost your wonder, it's a bad sign. I, I, th- I hate to even talk about it like this. And I know this is not what you meant. But I think let's think of it as a just notice that. Yeah, Man, I, I've lost my wonder. Okay, I'm going to notice that I'm not going to grow numb to that. God, can you help me restore my wonder again? You know, that's fair. That's fair. I when I think about wonder, I, I like to think back into times in my life where, um, where there was genuine wonder, not even necessarily towards God, but just genuine wonder, mm. genuine awe in my life. I think about certain moments of where I've seen things in creation. Right there's a, yes. going to the Grand Canyon. There is the first time you see the power of Niagara Falls and stand next to it. Yes. Uh, For me, there's uh, seeing being somewhere where you're just seeing all the stars lit up at night. Oh, that's so true. Um, And and there's many others. Uh, I can't think of a more awe inspiring thing than the birth of our of my children. I was thinking that. That's totally totally. There's there's an awe of like this is our child. Yeah. uh, And this child like like is is here like and there i can't believe what's going on right now even i have words i'm struggling with words right Mm. because you stand in that room and you you're just like holding your child for the first time and it is an awe inspiring thing and i think all of us have different things that create awe like this one probably doesn't do it for you but when i go to a uh, there are moments where i go to a baseball stadium and I walk out and see the green grass and mm. hear this where it's just like there's a beauty in that for me. Mm. And so when we understand that's what kind of awe is, those kind of descriptions, it does cause me. And I do appreciate, Aubrey, that you're saying, hey, let's just notice it. It does cause me to say, when is the last time in my life that I have felt that awe yeah. about who God is and what yeah. he has done in the world, what God has done in my own life? Where have I become, like your word, numb to just like, yeah, oh, yeah, Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Like, where are we going to lunch today? Like that right, kind of thing. Right, right. Versus like what what Keller saying here is like me, a Christian, it's a wonder and a miracle and incredible but true. Uh, I, I think that becomes the helpful thing. So, Aubrey, you said it's important to notice it. How about the the people out there noticing it? Going, yeah, I don't. I don't have awe towards towards my faith anymore. I don't have this. What do we do then? Yeah. What do we do when we notice a lack of wonder and awe in our lives? Yeah, I mean, I I I think this can actually be kind of a painful place to be if you're willing to really be honest with yourself about that because it can sort of feel like, oh God, have you let me down? Mm. Have you let? Has your presence left me? Like it, it can it can bring up some pretty pretty painful things if you're willing to ask yourself why you've lost your wonder. But then if we're honest, sometimes it can also be that we've we've stopped doing the habits that help us engage in awe of God, right? Like we've stopped reading scripture. We've stopped worshiping with other mm-hmm, Christians. Mm-hmm. We've stopped um, just listening to uh, and Christian music that moves us. Or, right. or, or, or like you were talking about, um, I mean, even like you said, a, a baseball a, a base like the right baseball field right um can move you to awe and i think we've stopped noticing how i mean for me it would be something you know something comparable would just be like 
I would love going into like a really old theater or a mm. really old church building and seeing the beauty there. Like yeah. that's, that's awe of something that feels normal, but actually you can praise God for those things. So anyway, this is a long way of saying, I think we have to acknowledge like it's painful. Mm-hmm. We have to be able to acknowledge it before the Lord. Lord, I, I've lost my sense of wonder. I've lost my sense of awe. I've lost my sense of worship. I've lost my sense of wanting to even like care about that and begin to invite the Holy Spirit back into to helping you um, increase your awe again. But I think we also can't be too, we can't take our spiritual habits too lightly because Mm -hmm. those are the things that form us and form our worship. And so if you find that you're on your phone every single morning, rather than pausing to thank God for a new day and opening up scripture, like maybe experiment with that. What would happen if Today, I I didn't pick up my phone until after I read my Bible or spent some time praying or looked outside and and looked at the beautiful, you know, snow on the ground, just something like that and begin like small habits because I I think we're being formed in a way by our distraction we're not even aware of and that's Mm -hmm. causing us to lose our awe. So how can we be reformed in such a way that we're allowing worship and awe to come back? That's a good word. Let me read it one more time. Wonder is a sign of the believer. There should not be the grumpy, of course I'm a Christian. Why would you ask? There should be no of course about it. Rather, you should think, who would have thought it? Me, a Christian, incredible but true. It's a wonder and a miracle. Thank you. Thank you full for those words again Mm -hmm. from Tim Keller. We're coming up next. Uh, Aubrey, we're going to continue talking about what's going on over in the Ukraine. And how do we support and highlight voices over here uh, in support of what's going on in the Ukraine. We're going to do that next year on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian Fromm. We're so glad that you're with us today. Um, Brian, we've been talking a lot about, you know, what's going on in the Ukraine. We right. talked to Dr. Dennison about it. And of course, we'll continue covering the story and continue to remind people to pray for the Ukraine and to pay attention to what's going on in the news. I've been kind of, you know, really impressed by people on social media or in other places that are standing with Ukraine from afar. I've seen lots of my friends have begun putting Ukrainian flags by their names on Twitter and other people just um, offering ways to pray for Ukraine mm-hmm. on their social media. And seems like as best as we can, the world is really trying to rally around this country mm-hmm. um, as they're being invaded. And I think, you know, I think it's a beautiful thing for us to kind of as much as we can just say, like, look, we are standing in solidarity with you, Ukraine, right now. Um, and I was I was really moved by it because this was so unexpected. I you sometimes watch Saturday Night Live, right? Yeah, I rarely stay up that late anymore, but yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I usually catch Saturday Night Live like on Sunday afternoon when I'm watching yeah. it on Hulu or something. But Saturday Night Live, um, instead of their typical cold open, which is you know a a comedy sketch, right? Instead, they invited the Ukrainian chorus of New York to come on and perform a song that was actually a prayer for Ukraine. And um, it was really quite moving. They had Mm. uh, candles on the table and um, just, I I think it was so moving because it was so shocking for SNL. But what I wanted to do was play a little clip of that song because it was so moving and then talk about what that song meant because someone published the translation of it. It's really, really powerful. And then talk about some other ways 
that we can stand with Ukraine from afar. So let's go ahead and take a listen to that cold open on SNL. Okay, so Brian, that's a prayer for Ukraine. It's a patriotic mm-hmm. Ukrainian hymn. Apparently, it was published in 1885. It's a spiritual anthem in Ukraine. And listen to some of the lyrics. And and to be honest, I'm shocked that this was even on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. But it says, Lord, oh, the great almighty, protect our beloved Ukraine. Bless her with freedom and light of your holy rays. Mm-hmm. With learning and knowledge, enlighten us, your children small, in love pure and everlasting, let us, O Lord, grow. We pray, O Lord Almighty, protect our beloved Ukraine. Grant our people and country all your kindness and grace. Bless us with freedom. Bless us with wisdom. Guide us into kind world. Bless us, O Lord, with good fortune forever and evermore. So they were, I mean, that was literally a prayer yeah. happening on Saturday Night Live. So, so powerful. What did you think, Brian, when you saw that? First of all, Saturday Night Live uh, has done this in the past, mm-hmm. and it's always so powerful. I it think is. around nine eleven and other times where they've yep. just kind of met the moment, if you will. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, Aubrey, it feels to me like like there's now this this shared humanity. Like that's yeah. what's going on right now. Like it's cheesy to be like we're all Ukraine. Well, we're not all Ukrainian, but we're all people, and, and yes. we know that like. You know, what would we want people to do if this was happening in our country to us or whatever else? And and it, there's so much to it, right? As Christ followers, we go, okay, there's a church there. There's a thriving church, and they are holding on to this hope that we just heard them sing about. They're holding on to this hope uh, of the victory they have in Christ. But yes. think about the depth in which they know that at oh. the moment, the depth in which they have to hold on to that at the moment is far beyond anything that I've ever known. And mm-hmm. so there's so many thoughts going on, but I think it's really important in, in a in a world where we often only think of ourselves or, you know, our own country or whatever to go, okay, the world is bigger. I, I have to think about and pray about what's going on, on the other side of the world because they are, it's what Jim Dennison said. Yeah, uh, We are going to be, they literally are our brothers and sisters. We are going to be in heaven with these people yes. in worship and so when we hear these songs sung in Ukraine, in Ukrainian, and, and we know what's going on in their world right now, it, I, it should bring us, uh, you know, uh, it should drive us to prayer. It yeah, should bring it us should. sadness. It should bring us perspective. Like mm-hmm. all of these are important. Uh, and that's why I think it's so important for us, even as Americans, to be thinking about and listening to and, and you know, being educated, but also praying for the people of Ukraine right now. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely bright, uh, right, Brian. And I and it I mean, you know, again, I, I we don't need to belabor this point, but just the fact that Saturday Night Live, which is honestly a very anti-Christian show, meaning they they make fun of Christians quite a bit on the show. And um, a, a show that's known for its comedy. And I like Saturday Night Live. I watch it pretty faithfully. Mm-hmm. Um, just to stop and do something serious, I, it, it is. it does honor our brothers and sisters across the world who are suffering. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think it's a, a good word for all of us that are there ways where we can be standing with Ukraine right now, whether it is, you know, putting that little flag by your name on social media or 
sharing a prayer for the Ukraine or posting these song lyrics for Ukraine mm. or um, just in your daily life, getting up with your kids and making sure that you're saying a prayer for Ukraine every morning or even at um, the dinner table. And and then, of course, we think about, I mean, this leads us to think about other countries where, um, you know, there are Christian suffering. You think about the global church, the persecuted church, like it doesn't have to stop with Ukraine, but certainly right now, because the world's eyes are on the Ukraine, we can, especially as Christians, join hands through prayer and lifting them up. And I know there's been some cynicism lately about the phrase like thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers mm-hmm. are with you. But mm-hmm. Ann Voskamp last week posted, look, prayer is actually one of the most powerful things you can do. It's not the last resort. That's it's right. not the least you can do. It is actually the most you can do is to pray for your brothers and sisters in the Ukraine. So I, you know, I, Anyway, in honor of the people who are hurting right now across the Ukraine, we uh, wanted to share that song because we thought it was so powerful. And I also think a reminder, something that I've held uh, forgotten in this, Aubrey, is to be like, there's a lot of people in Russia. There's a Russian church and there's a lot of people in Russia who aren't happy that this war is going That's on. That's right, <laughs> you Brian. Know? You're exactly right. Yeah. And to be remembered to be praying for uh, for the Russian church yeah, and the Russian people, good. I think, is also important. So having prayers across the board. That's for sure. good, Brian. Thank you for that reminder. That's really good. Well, coming up next, we're joined by Hannah Weehunt and Christy Anthony from SOS International. We're going to share how you can take part in helping women and children who are in trafficking situations. You can help rescue women and children today. You are not going to want to miss that conversation. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson, and typically I'm alongside my co-host, Brian Fromm, but we are actually doing something very special, very exciting I know that what we are about to share with you and the guests that we are about to bring on are going to move your soul and your spirit in a way that you're going to be grateful that you listen today. And so I am thrilled because I get to welcome Christy Anthony and Hannah Weehunt, the Director of Operations and the Marketing Director of SOS International, an organization that is doing just incredible work around the world, specifically in Asia and Central America. And I cannot wait to have you hear their hearts and hear what SOS is all about. So Hannah and Christy, thanks so much for being here with us today. Thank you. We are excited. We are so excited that you've taken some time to be with us. Let me just jump right in because I haven't even told our listeners who you are or what SOS International is, and I want them to hear it from you. Before we talk about what you do, can you just give us a big picture? What is SOS International and why does it matter? SOS International is a nonprofit organization, and we go into underdeveloped communities all over the world and we help develop and secure at-risk children in those communities. So we do that through four main programs. We give food, we provide water, we rescue and rehabilitate trafficking victims, and then we do kind of an overarching broad thing that we call community development, which includes education, mentorship programs, farmer care, just kind of any area of that community that needs developing, we come in and help develop that to secure the children there. 
Oh, that sounds so essential. And I'm so grateful that you're a part of this and that our listeners get to hear about it. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do at SOS? And then I want to back up and talk about the problem specifically of human trafficking. Christy, why don't you go first? Talk to us about your work specifically at SOS International. Yeah, for sure. So I am director of operations, which means I actually think I have a really cool position. I get to work hands-on with a lot of our programs and then also working with donors and foundations. So really getting to see those donor funds get put into action, making sure they're doing what they're supposed to do, that they're having huge impact on the ground and getting to convey those stories of impact back to people. And then really working as we grow and scale these projects and, and implement them in different cultural contexts and build teams internationally. And so I get I get a really fun hands-on role, but I directly get to see every day the impact that's mm. being made. And so it's truly an honor and a joy. And I can't wait to share with you more about this incredible work that we get to be a part I of. can't wait for our listeners to hear. And then Hannah, but what about you? Can you give us a little scope of your role there at SOS International? Yeah, I'm our director of marketing and I'm also our photojournalist. So I get to kind of be the bridge between the projects and then the people here, our donors and our partners here. And so I get to meet all these amazing women and kids in our programs and kind of bring back their stories and help connect those dots for people and help them see the impact that they're making when they partner with us. We'll continue our conversation with Christy and Hannah from SOS in just a minute. But right now, I want to invite you to be a part of the rescue and restoration of human trafficking victims through SOS International. During this month of rescue, we're praying that our listeners will provide 80 months of loving care to women and children who are making the choice to leave their lives of bondage and slavery. Your gift of $150 covers one month of their care, safe shelter, food, medical attention, counseling, restoration ministry, education, skills training. Basically, you will be giving them a chance at a whole new life. Amazing to think how much impact your gift will have in the lives of women and children who have been trapped in the slavery of the global sex trade. And if you give right now, a generous matching partner will double whatever you provide to give twice as much love and care to these women. I hope that encourages you to be extra generous. Please give your gift now by calling 866-343-4717. Again, that's 866-343-4717. Or if it's more convenient, you can also give by clicking the SOS banner at 1160hope.com. So let's step back and give our listeners a picture of the problem. I mean, I guess that feels like a small word to use. I feel like it's a pandemic and a tragedy, like what is happening in the world. Tell us the scope of trafficking and slavery around the world. So right now, they estimate, and I'm going to give you a number, it's a 2018 number, they estimate there are 40 million slaves in the world today. That number is way underreported. We also know, you know, we don't have a lot of good numbers since COVID, but we do know that COVID has actually made trafficking worse. We are seeing those numbers rise in every area that we encounter. And so I don't honestly know what the best number is for it right now, but I will tell you, I was having a conversation last week with a human trafficking task force member for local government here, and he was telling me that he estimates in the next five to seven years, human trafficking is actually going to overtake drug trafficking as the largest crime in the world. So we are just talking about a a problem of mass proportion, right? That's only growing. It's only getting worse. Mm. And the devastation that it's having on these lives is just uh, absolutely heartbreaking. So it is a huge issue. We're also finding, you know, it's it's young girls when we see these numbers, Mm. when we interact with this. I mean, you're talking about 
really children. Yeah. Um, here in the States, the average is like 14 to 16. Mm. Globally, we're seeing it, you know, 10 to 12 year old girls are fetching the highest Mm. price. And so it really is a problem that is affecting children in Mm. our nation and in our world. I so appreciate that you're focusing on women and children, especially for so many of our listeners are are Christians. And so to think about Jesus calling us to care for the least of these, I mean, I just feel like this is literally that population of people. You know, I think we hear a lot about human trafficking or enslaved people. It's hard for some of us to even wrap our minds around what that means, what that looks like. Like, what are you saying when you're saying that 12-year-old girls, 14-year-old girls are being trafficked? Give us a picture of what that even looks like. Um, Well, it's going to look a little bit different in each country. So if we're talking what that looks like in Asia, that looks like cages, Mm. like dog cages Mm. and girls trapped in cellars underneath buildings and um, locked in cages for three years. That's what it looks like in Asia. If we're talking, you know, Latin Central America, we're talking a lot of strip clubs. Mm. We're talking a lot of still a lot of locked in cellars and basements. So there are overarching themes. There's this, this captivity. I think in America, when we hear of prostitution in general, right, there's kind of this glamorized view that we hear about it. I mean, like Cardi B talks about all the time that stripping made her famous, right? Right. right. Strip clubs are a form of trafficking. Mm. They are a form of trafficking Mm. and it's been kind of glamorized. So it can be hard for us to really, in an American mindset, understand what bondage looks like when someone's Mm. out free quote unquote, making this decision. Right. But there's bondage attached to all of this. There's fear. There's unmet needs. Mm. There's physical unmet needs. There's the lack of food. There's the lack of water. There's the lack of the ability to provide for yourself that traffickers will target and will use to abuse women. So it sometimes looks like a physical cage, but it always is an emotional and mental cage, Mm. even if they don't look like they're trapped. Oh, that is, that's such a good description for us. And I, you know, you think about how we are taking women and children and literally commodifying them or because of their circumstances, they're having to commodify themselves. And that's exactly what you're talking about. Like it may not look like a literal cage, but there is some type of emotional, spiritual, physical cage happening. So I so appreciate that. Um, I know that's a difficult description, but I appreciate our listeners being able to understand like when we're talking about trafficking, we're talking about something that's serious and evil and needs to end in our lifetime. Like we need to see an end to it. Appreciate what you're doing at SOS. Can you give us a big picture? So this is a massive problem. We're talking at least 40 million enslaved people, trafficked people around the world. How is SOS making a dent in that number? Slowly, yeah. <laughs> very, very slowly. But honestly, it's it's growing rapidly. And that's the fun part, right? But what we like to really focus on is kind of the restorative justice side of things. We are survivor-centric. We really work to rescue and rehabilitate. And we've developed a model that's very successful at helping girls regain their life, right? It's helping them um, come out, come to choose freedom, because we have found that a girl choosing her own freedom is such an integral first step, right? Because so much has been chosen for her, mm. that she, if she is able to choose that freedom, so we walk in relationship with girls until they choose their freedom. And once they choose their freedom, we bring them out and we begin to walk with them through a rehabilitation process that has absolutely incredible results. I mean, we've had over 2,400 women go through this program, which compared to 40 million is, is a drop in the bucket, but 
but to watch the process of lives being restored, of, of walking alongside these girls as the trauma and the abuse and the hurt is healed, as they discover the power of coming together in community and standing side by side and walking into freedom. And then also as that power of being able to dream again is unlocked and, oh, and you so begin good. to equip girls who, who've had their future just devastated, right? If a little girl's trafficked at 12 years old, if that's all she's known, how is she going to go and get a job to earn a living wage, mm-hmm. right? Like at some point, this completely alters their future trajectory. And so when you're able to come alongside those girls and you're able to walk with them, bring them to that, walk with them to that place of healing and then help them choose, okay, what do you want to do? What are those dreams in your heart? What are those skills that you have that you want to explore? And you help equip them to earn a living wage it's just the most incredible thing to watch. And Mm. it's not necessarily a super fast process, a super cheap process, but it's the most incredible picture of restoration that, that I've ever seen personally. Like I am so inspired by these girls, by their courage, by their bravery, and by the way that not only have they walked through trauma, but they've dreamed again. Mm. And now like we have girls that have gone through our program that are doing absolutely phenomenal things. I mean, these girls have gone on to get masters to, to go to law school. They are social workers, counselors, teachers. Mm. I mean, we have them kind of across the spectrum and to watch not only their fierceness for themselves of, I want healing for me, but now how they're investing back in and they're, they're using their skills and what they've been trained in to walk alongside other girls who have a same story, who have a similar narrative to say, I know what it was like there Yeah, and freedom and healing is possible. So let's walk together and let's have you walk the same road that I'm walking Mm. because there can be a different future. And so to, to watch that process unfold in the midst of such sobering statistics about devastation and loss, you can just see that picture of restoration. It's, it's just such a stark contrast mm. because of the hell that these girls have yeah. lived in. Right. Did that answer your question? Oh, that answered the question so beautifully and actually brings me to tears, like thinking about the thinking about the loss of just dreaming and even having a an imagination. I mean, that kind of thing. You don't even think about the dignity that is for a young girl. And so the fact that SOS is a part of restoring dreams, restoring imagination, and then offering some life-giving skills. This is such dignifying, empowering, freeing work that you're doing, SOS. And, and I'm I'm just so grateful that you're here. During this month of rescue, we're praying that our listeners will provide 80 months of loving care to women and children who are making the choice to leave their lives of bondage and slavery. Amazing to think how much impact your gift will have in the lives of women and children who have been trapped in the slavery of the global sex trade. And if you give right now, a generous matching partner will double whatever you provide to give twice as much love and care to these women. I hope that encourages you to be extra generous. Please give your gift now by calling 866-343-4717. Again, that's 866-343-4717. Or if it's more convenient, you can also give by clicking the SOS banner at 1160hope.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian Fromm. And it's the end of the show. And at the end of every show, we love bringing you something encouraging or inspiring or just something to put a smile on your face. And Brian, I wanted us to talk about the topic of kindness, because especially right now, there is so much, um, you know, 
pain and heartache in the world. And right now, as we just talked about, there's there's so many Christians that are fighting with each other and getting tribal with each other. And sometimes it feels like the lowest bar in the world just to like, just be a nice person, just be kind, you know, but I do feel like kindness is so important right now. Um, and my my friend Micah Fries, he's the director of Global Net, and he's the director of programs for Multi Faith Neighbors Network. He says this. He says, "I am drawn to those who are gentle, kind, and who are consistently encouraging. In a world full of harsh rhetoric and cancel culture, that gives a." gives us more kindness, encouragement, and hope. Mm. And I think we would all probably agree with that, right? That we are drawn to people who are consistently encouraging, especially when the world feels so discouraging a lot mm. or under-encouraging a lot. And so it got me thinking, Brian, like, is there, would someone especially kind to you recently or, or just to brag on yourself, or you especially kind to somebody? <laughs> like, has someone showed you kindness recently in a way that you were like, oh, I needed that. I'm so encouraged by that. So when you first asked me that, I was thinking, all right, who like in church or, you know, driving down the road or whatever else, mm. you don't often think of your family. Right. Mm, yeah. So this one's going to sound really basic, but I'm, I'm choosing this on purpose uh, because sometimes we can disregard like the simple acts of kindness we do in each other's lives. Yeah. Uh, this morning I needed to pack a lunch and my wife made it for me. <gasps> Stop it. She was making the kids sandwiches. I went in to make a sandwich and yeah. she's like, hey, I already made it. And I was like, oh, you know what I mean? That, that is kind in the grand scheme of life. That's really small. That's really small, but in the, in a marriage or in just life, when people do little acts of kindness like that for you, it really does mean a lot. I was like, Oh, thank you. And now you know what it makes me want to do for her. Not that, not that it's always transactional, but you're like, okay, I got to think of something kind of. Totally. Absolutely. And so I, you know, that's the first thing that came to mind for me. Any, any kindness stories done to you? It's kindness is is contagious. I'll tell you one, but first, what you just said made me think of a story. This is going to sound funny, but go with me, okay? I'm ready. Um, do you remember the show? I'm not saying you watched it, but the show Desperate Housewives that was on maybe a sure. decade ago. Very, I very do. popular show. I'll never forget one of the characters. I don't know any of their names, but there was this scene where she and her husband were having marriage struggles, and he came into the house. They were fighting about something. He noticed that a light had gone out. And while they're having this conversation, he went and he grabbed the ladder. He climbed up the ladder. He replaced the light bulb. And she was like, let's get back together. And I always <laughs> think about that, how like that small, those small acts, like your wife making your lunch, changing the light bulb when you notice that it's out for someone else. Like those things are actually like game changers relationally yeah. because it means someone has noticed a need you have and they've met it and they took the time to 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 notice and to do something about it and it that can go a long way those little acts of kindness i i was actually just thinking you know i i've told you this week that i was at a a winter retreat over the weekend with Mm -hmm. a group of high schoolers and you know brian this is gonna sound so funny but i was walking back to my cabin after one of the sessions and one of the freshman boys who was so small like you know how sometimes the freshman girls look like they're 18 and the boys look like they're 10 So this kid was so small and he came up behind me and he was like, are you Aubrey Sampson? (laughs) I was like, yeah. And he was like, I just got to tell you, you're doing such a great job. One of the best winter camps I've ever been to. I just love your messages. And he was like, I got to get to my cabin now, but I just wanted to tell you that. And it was like... 
this kid, he's like probably 14 years old. He went out of his way to encourage me. And I was, I was really blown away by that act of kindness. Like it was really sweet. It meant a lot to me, especially again, you know, this is a freshman boy. Who's going to do that? Um, but yeah, that was a, that was a really, really encouraging. That was a really, really encouraging one. Um, so Brian, I was over to a website called inspirekindness.com and, um, they're basically talking about kindness 101. What is kindness and how do you teach it? And they basically have some definitions of kindness. They say, you know, according to the dictionary, kindness is defined as the quality of being friendly, generous, and considerate. Considerate. I feel like that's something your wife did, right? Making Mm -hmm, your lunch mm -hmm. is very considerate. Then they also said that kindness means so much more. Kindness is more than being nice. Uh, Mm. It's doing something intentional and voluntary. Uh, Kindness is a movement. And I think that's what you kind of touched on when you said, now it makes me want to do something kind for Carrie. Like you said, not that it's transactional, but it's like contagious, right? Right. I like that word. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, Kind is love. Love is kind. Um, kindness is grace. I think that's a really good word. And then they have some tips for teaching kindness that I think are really helpful. Brian, let me read a couple of these to you and see what stands out to you. Um, be kind to yourself. Then they say, practice, practice, practice kindness. Uh, you can start by volunteering, giving a compliment, holding the door for someone. Just practice it. Say thank you. That's a way to act kindness. And then they say some other, you know, ways you can be kindness are like caring for other people, volunteering your time, that kind of thing. So, okay, if you were teaching kindness, which one of those tips would stand out to you? Being kind to yourself, practice, 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 or saying thank you? I think practice, practice, practice. Sometimes we can overthink these things a lot, but instead... Just do it. Like, yeah. be kind. Do go think yep. to yourself, I'm going to go do something kind. Uh, and, and one thing I would point out, Aubrey, is like we over we overthink like what is evangelism? And there's certainly mm. lots of great things about it, but we can overthink it. Micah uh, Freeze tweet here reminds me like some of the best evangelism we can do right now is just to be nice to people and yeah. to be kind and not be like the rest of the world is like that acting like what we tell our second and third graders to do is evangelism right now. And it's so, so true. I would remind people of that. And then I would say, just practice, 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 go, I'm going to do kind things today and maybe yeah. have a journal, have a kindness journal. What did I do kind? What did other people do to me? And mm-hmm. you start to see these things. Yeah, I think, I think that's good. I, I think one other, um, not from a tip, but from the definitions that they shared, kindness is grace. I really appreciated that because I do think it's easy to be kind to the people who are kind to you. But to go that extra mile and be kind to those who even are unkind to you or kind to those who have hurt you, obviously, that's the message that we see throughout Mm -hmm. scripture. And like you said, that's another way that we can be evangelists. We don't really have to overthink this. Be kind to everyone around you in small ways. That will make a massive difference, especially in this day and age. I'm so convinced of it. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. We'll be back again tomorrow from 4 to 6 p.m. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.